This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tender? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson. Hey, what's going on? It's time for another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And I want to shout out uh, one of our colleague shows over here at the network. And that's uh, Kelly and Company, who just celebrated their uh, fifth year anniversary, which is incredible. Having been able to work over there, it's been a pleasure, and congratulations to them. We, over here at the Neutral Zone, will be hitting our fifth year in June of 2022, so it's pretty crazy to think that uh, time just flies like that. Joining me this week is Cam Jenkins. Cam, how are you? Not bad. Uh, You're making me feel a little bit old by saying it's uh, been five years since we've been doing this on AMI. That's uh, it's a long time. It's uh, and it's been good too. So um, otherwise, this week, uh, you know, especially with what's going on in the hockey world, it's been a bit of a tough week. And um, yeah, just looking forward to talking some sports. Yes, it has been a bit of a tough week, and you'll hear about that in our very first headline. And then we're going to make some space at the top of the fourth segment to just kind of let us chat generically about what's going on in the hockey world. Uh, Josh Watson is also joining us. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Brock. It's Friday afternoon and the work week is almost over. And yeah, going to be going to be a good weekend, I think. So looking forward to a great show and lots of interesting stuff to talk about. Yes, absolutely. Now, Cameron, I, I, I might be putting you on the spot here with this one, but I, I I think you were around from the neutral zone at its beginning. Did it start in the summer of 2015 before the Parapanam Games in Toronto? Uh, yes, um, because I do remember um, us doing, I think, a couple of first episodes, and um, that's, I think, David Ruckavino was around, Brett Wills, and we were sitting around Melanie's table in her condo um, doing a, a few of the neutral zones there, and then we moved, uh, um, I think it was on the lakeshore in Toronto or Mississauga, um, Port Credit area. Um, they had a studio uh, down there, and uh, that's when we were where we were doing the um, Pan Am uh, Parapan games. Um, yeah, I, I remember that. And it was a long walk up, and Brett used to have to go up the stairs too, which was a, a bit challenging. And yeah, in those days, uh, I know Brock, you, and it's great. You'd love to be able to um, have everything planned out each segment. And in those days, we were just like, we got to, or to the table around the microphones, and we were like, okay, what do we want to talk about today? We talked about it for maybe a couple of minutes, and then off we went. So <laughs> the uh, neutral zone has certainly come a long way and uh, very much for the better. My, uh, my, my, my anxiety just drove up thinking about no script. <laughs> it's just like, ah, that would be insane. But that would mark uh, eight years for the neutral zone as a whole uh, coming up in the summer of 2022, which is incredible uh, to think about. 
Speaking of what's on our script, let's get into our headlines for this week. Chicago Blackhawks general manager and president of hockey operations, Stan Bowman, has stepped aside after the conclusion of an investigation into sexual assault allegations made by two former players against a former assistant coach and the club's handling of those allegations, CEO Danny Wirtz announced Tuesday. Stan has also been removed of any duties with USA Hockey as it relates to the upcoming Olympic Games in 2022. Um, first and foremost, I um, definitely want to um, send uh, apologies or well wishes to Kyle Beach. Um, it's unfortunate that this happened, um, but like everyone has been saying about Kyle Beach, uh, he is very courageous to be able to come out and uh, tell everybody what has happened, and uh, hopefully the NHL can certainly learn from this, and hopefully this will never happen ever, ever again. Congratulations to Rachel Holman and her team for winning the first Grand Slam on the women's side of the season and Bruce Mowat on the men's side. I love curling and when you get started with these Grand Slams, that just means that the curling season is off and running and we even have an extra event this year of the Olympic Trials which will take place in November. So congratulations to those two camps for getting off to a good start this season. Toronto Maple Leafs forward Austin Matthews has become the latest member of the hockey community to score 200 goals. He is also the fastest U.S.-born player to reach the mark. Congratulations, Austin. It's an amazing achievement, and we know you're going to be scoring goals for many years to come. We just hope that the rest of your teammates come along with you. Beijing Olympic Organizing Committee announced this week that no one outside of China will be allowed to attend the Games next year and that athletes will be under strict guidelines to remain within the village and the respective venues, and anyone that violates those strict rules are subject to significant consequences. Let's check in on our Twitter poll. Those are your headlines for this week. Last week's question was, do you think the Raptors are a playoff team? 70% of you said no. 30% of you said yes. With the sports community under so much uh, focus with all the different sports going on at this moment, this week's Twitter poll question is, what sport has you are you most focused on this year, at this time of year, excuse me? Your choices are baseball, hockey, basketball, or football. And you can vote at all of our Twitter handles, which will be given out in a bit on the show. And you can vote beginning right after the program. Coming up next, we're going to chat a little bit about the 2022 Olympic and Paralympic Games, how it's going to be held in China. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, pros and cons that come along with being the first country to ever host a summer games and winter games in the same city. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. to get in touch with the neutral zone on twitter number one at ami audio number two 
at neutral zone BR. Number three, at neutral zone CB. Number four, at neutral zone Cam J. And number five, at J Watson 200. Now get out there and tweet one for the Gipper. <laughs> Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. We appreciate you joining us on this Friday. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh Watson and Cam Jenkins. And guys, it, it still makes me cringe to think that uh, before you guys would just sit around a table and just kibitz about what to talk about and then do that. It, it, just, <laughs> it just like it goes against everything I did in school, but... It sounded great when you guys did that, but uh, I can remember when people, uh, the first group that did it with me in the studio, and I handed them scripts, and everyone looked at me like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean we have a script?" And What's I'm like, "What do you script? mean you did? What do you mean you didn't have a script? This is this is, this is what I was going through, but it's uh, it was so ingrained in me in, in school and and taking." The, the broadcasting course, courtesy of Melanie Taddeo, that you have to have a script, at least point form notes of what you're going to talk about, because what if you get lost and on, not on track and whatever? So, yeah, that's where that's been born. Um, yeah, but when of, do we really stay on track? Uh, never. <laughs> that's uh, the fun of it, is not staying on track. Our exactly. Technical, our technical producer, Matt Agnew, has literally stopped giving time cues up until the final segment because <laughs> he knows I just... Don't listen to them, and I'll just take a break, you know, whenever I feel good and ready to do that. So as long as we get <laughs> off the show by 4.58, we're all good. We're all good. It's Just get on the ride and buckle your seatbelts, and here we go. That's usually the way I work. Um, mm-hmm. So let's spend some time uh, discussing the um, Olympics and Paralympic Games. Um, the Olympic Games are from February 4th, 2022. To the 20th of February. And then the Paralympic Games are scheduled from March 4th to March 13th. So that's kind of your window of the games coming up. And we're going to do a full gamut like we did for the summer of having hopefully uh, Scott Russell and Devin Haru joining us to kind of preview the games and some athletes. And uh, Chef de Michon maybe will be able to join us again. So we're going to do that uh, dive again into the games, and we hope you join us. And this week, we'll start by talking about the venue that these games are going to be held in. And for the first time in the Olympic and Paralympic history, these games will be held in the same city as they were in 2008. So this is the first time we've seen a place hold the Summer Games and Winter Olympic Games. First, let's start by discussing your thoughts on the venue being at the same place and whether you have some concerns or positives. Start with you on this one, Cameron. I think it's a great idea to keep uh, whether like a rotation of the cities that have already had it because they already have the infrastructure in place or they should. Um, and too many times before they wanted to grant it to a new city and like the millions, maybe even billions of dollars um, that you charge to make all of those facilities and for them to sometimes not even be used again. Um, you know, it's just such a huge 
um, black mark on the economy, I think. So personally, I think it's fantastic that they're going to a city that's had it before because they're not going to have to spend as much money um, to host the Olympics again. Yeah, in my case, I I think it's a great idea to um, have a city that's hosted before host again for exactly the same reason that Cam just alliterated there. These things are expensive to put on. And so if you can save a country or even a city, uh, a, a state, shall we say, some money by by not having to have them rebuild something from scratch, then I think that's a good thing. Personally, I don't know how I feel about China hosting an international event like this because of the human rights record that China is known to have. I would like to think that giving them this kind of exposure would help bring about positive change in a country like China. But I think we all secretly know the truth when it comes to that sort of thing, unfortunately. Yeah, so I, I want to shed some light. I've been to uh, Beijing twice in my career. Uh, once in uh, 2008, and for those of you that are listening for the very first time, welcome. But I was a former uh, bocce athlete, so I competed uh, for the national program from uh, 2007 until uh, 2014 in the sport of bocce. And we went there in 2008, and um, our coaches did a lot of, I'm going to say, uh, different debriefing on Beijing because a lot of the concern in the summertime was the smog and the factory and the amount of factories that are there. And... Um, you know, the, the pollution that was in, in the sky. And I mean, he would bring back pictures because the coaching staff would go over there far ahead of the athletes themselves and they'd bring back information about the games and different stuff like that. And one of the common threads each time he came back, he went three times uh, before the uh, Paralympic Games. And the common thread was you can't see uh, very far in front of you because of the smog. And so I was asthmatic. And, well, I am asthmatic, but less so now than I was then. Um, and I brought my puffers and I did all that to, uh, you know, make, make sure that I had the ability to, to, to take my puffers if need be. And I was really scared going there. And, and I thought, oh, gee, this smog is, is going to be a problem. And they said, oh, don't worry. Uh, they're going to they're gonna make it so that if you have a... Uh, even number on your uh, on on your license plate, the last number. Then you could drive on this day and that day. If you had an odd number, then you drive on this day and that day. And it was very, it was very well, you know, illustrated and brought out. When we went there, um, we got there and we landed on the plane and we looked up and we thought, gee, these skies are a lot bluer than we would have expected. No clouds in the sky, nothing. There was absolutely nothing to be concerned about it was uh very blue and we went on and did our thing and then when we got home we realized that they had there was articles posted that they had used um basically like fireworks that dissipated the uh smog 
and uh, it got rid of it so that it would paint a good picture in China itself that they that they did the right things. And one of the greatest things that China did in 2008 that I believe, and this speaks to your point, Josh, the greatest thing that I believe that China did was the beginning of the inclusive uh, piece uh, in, into individuals who had disabilities. When we uh, never saw China compete in a lot of para sports up until 2007, when they could represent all sports for that uh, Paralympic Games. And it's because of China hosting the Games that um, that that's been able to be. There's still a long way to go. Uh, then I went back in uh, 2011, and when I went back, I kind of had a little bit of a um, a little bit of a disappointment because went through the same village. We stayed in the exact same village, and there was a lot of differences. There was a lot of things that were different. Some of the venues were not as well kept up. Um, it just it looked run down. It looked it was disappointing. You know, at that point, you know, being uh, five years removed from the games, um, it was disappointing. My concerns about hosting these games is the weather. I was doing um, some research on the weather in China, and it gets down to a low in February of five degrees Celsius. Now, five degrees is not cold enough to <laughs> maintain snow. For a long period of time. Now I know Vancouver struggle struggle with that as well, and they made snow and etc. But Vancouver gets a little bit colder than five degrees uh, Celsius in that time frame. So that's one of the concerns. Uh, the other concern that I have is the fact that they have publicly come out and said anyone that doesn't follow our strict protocols are going to be under you know, could could face strict punishment. And that concerns me because they're not publicly saying what that punishment is. Um, we knew that there was going to be uh, protocols put in place because of uh, the pandemic when we just had the games in Tokyo, but it didn't seem to be as much in your face and on top of you as it is now in being publicized in that if people don't follow it, they're going to face uh, strict punishment. Uh, Cameron, uh, before we move on, I'll give you kind of... No, let's start with Josh on this one. Josh, just any thoughts on all of what I said? And and are you concerned about how much they're putting into already about if you don't follow the protocols, you could face strict punishment? Or is that just par for the course? I think that is par for the course only because I can't see the Chinese being allowed to... For example, haul an athlete off into the middle of nowhere uh, if they belong to another country. The, the rest of the world is going to cry foul of that. As far as the weather issue, I would just point to Vancouver and even to Sochi. If you remember Sochi, Russia, my recollection is that it's actually a summer resort town and not known for its cold winters. And yet they managed as well to put on a winter games. So I think fr from the weather standpoint, China will have figured it out by now. 
as to what they're going to do. Uh, the the strict protocol piece, yes, I think that is alarming, but I think your strict punishment will be something along the lines of you're not allowed to compete and you're sent home immediately, something like that. That's certainly my hope. I, I may be proven wrong, but I, I really hope that's the strict punishment. But we shall certainly see. And I, I do hope that they are able to get the venues into the kind of shape that they should be in. I believe it was you, Brock, who mentioned to me that a lot of the 2008 uh, venues are going to be remodeled or revamped so that they can be used for the Winter Games. So that will be interesting to see. For sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the games as I do all the Olympic and uh, Paralympic games. You know, I'd have to read the other um, press release uh, from the summer games that just happened to see what their wording was in regards to if there's going to be strict punishment or um, what's going to be happen. Uh, the entire world is going to be watching. So uh, like Josh alluded to, I don't see them being uh, taken off to some sort of jail or camp in the middle of nowhere in China um, as punishment. Uh, I just don't see that happening with the world watching. Um, so I think maybe that's much to do about nothing at the end of the day. Um, at worst, also, as Josh mentioned, I can see them saying, okay, well, you broke protocol, you're out of the games, and go back home to wherever your country is. So that's how I see that. And then as far as the venues and um, everything uh, to do with you know, getting them ready to go. Uh, it's going to cost them a lot less to revamp those and kind of fix them up uh, to be able to have everybody there at the games and being able to compete. So, you know, I, I like I said off the top, I think that it's a great idea to have it at the same place where you've had Olympic Games before because it's going to cost uh, less money in the long run in Paralympic Games as well. Um, and then as far as the heat's concerned or the weather, uh, no matter where you go, um, you're, you're always concerned about weather. Like even in uh, Whistler Blackcomb, if you have a you know hot weather there and you don't get any powdered snow falling, um, that could have been a disaster as well. Uh, so... You know, the weather, you just have to deal with it at the end of the day, no matter where you go. And I think that's always a, a problem. As we saw with Renee on the show last week, it was a torrential downpour when she was throwing. And therefore, I think everybody throwing in that competition uh, didn't do very well. So, Right. I just want to put out there as well. Uh, there is, when you go to the Paralympic Games, you are... Um, with the Canadian Paralympic Committee and part of the role of the Canadian Paralympic Committee and the chef de Michon, in this case, uh, Stephanie Dixon, who did the last ones, she is uh, part of the liaison uh, with the government, wherever it is. Whereas if someone does something, you know, negative that is against the, against protocol or against the law, or they did, they just did something that they shouldn't have. It's not automatically, okay, you, you did this wrong, you go into this jail and you 
are sentenced to whatever it is. There is a middle ground between what you did and also you're supported by the Canadian Paralympic Committee who say, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Let's defend, you know, our athlete because they might have done ABC. There might have been a mistake. So it's not and it will never be a situation where you do something wrong and therefore you 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 suffer the max punishment because that's what the Canadian Paralympic Committee's role is to make sure that their athletes compete well, but also stay safe through it all. And so that everyone can also come home safely and sound without there being any uh, further retribution, uh, if need be. Before we close off this segment, I want to ask you both, uh, do you think that the Games has an advantage on the uh, pandemic side of things with China because they've already hosted it. So they understand, okay, we've already hosted a games before. Do they, do they have a little bit more of a ability to, to know what they're doing and focus more on their protocols versus we've never put on a games. And now we have to deal with a pandemic such as Tokyo had to deal with Josh start with you on that one. I think it can't hurt. Uh, certainly, if you've done something before, you have an idea of what's going to be needed and what's going to be expected. Um, I would say the same thing if Toronto, for example, got to host another world event or or Pan Am Games, for example, because we've done a large scale event. So I think that will always help you. Um, yeah, I... I I think it can't hurt. Yeah, as far as, you know, just looking at the Olympics part, uh, they've done it before. And as long as somebody um, did a uh, binder of this is how we did the last Olympics and these are the pros and these are the cons, as long as they have that, um, because that was 12 years ago. So who knows who's still around from from when, you know, those Olympics took place. Uh, they shouldn't have a problem putting on the Olympics. Um, and now as far as the COVID-19 protocols go, um, we've also had one uh, Olympics that just happened, the Summer Olympics with COVID-19 protocols. So uh, I'm sure that they would be in touch with the organizers of the Summer Olympics saying, okay, what did you do uh, for protocols? What worked? What didn't work? What needs to improve? And I'm sure they would have those discussions. So I don't see uh, it being a problem at all to be quite honest with you. No, I just, don't. I'd... Go so ahead, just to expa- Just to expand on that, I, I do believe that the IOC also plays a role in that, in that they must have policies and procedures that they provide to an organizing committee to say, okay, you've hosted the games. Here's, if you will, a cheat sheet. These are the things that must be considered. So I, I think they'll be in good standing one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. I think it it should work like a well-oiled machine. And no matter what those venues look like today, I do think, and I agree with the panel when we say, yeah, they're going to revamp some of it, but it's certainly not going to cost the same as what it would building it from the ground up. And this is not the case for Beijing 2022. So, Best of luck to Beijing, and we'll be watching and keeping a close eye on the Olympics and Paralympic Games 
as they come closer. Coming up after the break, we're going to move forward and discuss a retirement that's taken place in the para ice hockey world. And plus, we'll also talk a little bit about the Team Canada roster as they move towards the 2022 Paralympic Games. Stay with us for the second half of the Neutral Zone. We'll be right back. For the neutral zone, call now 1 866 509 4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail. You know, when uh, you get to sit in a situation like the three of us do and the four of us, if you want to include our other counterpart, Claire Buchanan, who's not with us, when you get uh, four of us talking throughout the week and then on the show about sports, sometimes time during the program can really get away from you when you've got us all chatting and being passionate about sports. And so this is one of the... uh, great things about our program and it's really tough sometimes to you know cram things into a show because sometimes you look at a script and you think well that might not have enough meat on the bone to to carry a full segment and then when the show's done you're like wow we ran out of time really quickly so we hope you are enjoying the neutral zone as we truck along here to the second half of the program i'm your host brock richardson joined by josh watson and cam jenkins i thought we'd still stick in the uh uh, seen for a little while because there was a quite significant retirement announced uh, this week, and that would be um, Steve Cash, who was a United States goaltender uh, in para ice hockey for a number of years. I want to just run down uh, some of his statistics to give you kind of a, a picture of Steve Cash's uh, uh, wonderful career. So, he had uh, three Paralympic gold medals. He had five world titles. He had 119 wins, a 1.22 uh, goals against average. And I would argue anything under two is probably uh, a pretty good uh, average there. So uh, Steve Cash had a, had a wonderful career. Uh, before I ask my silly question... When you think of uh, Steve Cash, uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you, Cameron? I think uh, definitely the best goaltender in, uh, you know, American para ice hockey. Um, That definitely comes to mind. Um, You know, you can't not see what he's accomplished and give him kudos uh, with his three Paralympic golds, his world titles, you know, on the line, uh, down it goes. So, um, you know, congratulations to Steve Cash on a wonderful uh, U.S. Paralympic hockey experience. 
And yeah, all the best in retirement. And who knows, um, some people that retire, they sometimes come back, uh, just like uh, Adam Dixon's coming back to the Canadian team. So who knows, uh, right now it's a happy retirement, but you never know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, for me, the first thing that comes to mind when I think Steve Cash is dominance. The the guy was maddeningly good at what he did. Um, I can remember watching Canada versus USA games, both uh, both on television and live, because I did have an opportunity to see them uh, when they came to Toronto for for different tournaments and things, and. The guy just, he knew his positions. He knew where his teammates were going to funnel the play. He just, you don't have a goals against average below two or even below one and a half without being excellent when it comes to your technique. So congratulations, Steve, on a a wonderful career. Uh, It will be interesting to see who fills your net going forward but if i know the americans they'll have someone in the pipe for sure it's um it it seems kind of silly to ask this question but what kind of impact do you think that steve cash had not only on the u.s program but the uh, para ice hockey program as a whole josh start with you on this one well, the first thing that I recall seeing, which always caught my eye about Steve, was for, for those that haven't played sledge, uh, I'll call it sledge hockey. It's para ice hockey now. If we're yeah, being keep poli- to the original. Po- let's do po- it. Po- politically correct. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, um, there are two ways to play the goaltending position. One is with your legs crossed, uh, almost like you're sitting in a circle in kindergarten. And the other is with your legs out in front of you. Now, a lot of the goaltenders you will see in international competition do, at least as I've been watching the game through my career, have sat cross-legged. Many Canadian goaltenders have done that. Goaltenders from other teams have done that. Steve did not. Steve played with his legs in front of him, which from someone who also has had to play the position in that way, because it's just more comfortable for me. It's very hard to, to feel confident and comfortable when you're not necessarily always squared up to your shooter. Uh, As a goaltender, you're taught to, to face the puck and keep your body in line with, with the puck at all times. And sometimes when your your legs are out in front of you, it's it, it's hard because the puck can be shot in low, hit part of your sled, and and bounce in funny directions, and or or hit your leg and go over your shoulder, or just just all kinds of strange things can happen. So to see Steve play the position that way, and to see him succeed. Time and time and time and time and time and time and time again was just <laughs> remarkable for me. I, I sat there and I'm like, hey, maybe I don't have to fold my legs into a pretzel and feel pain in my knees for a week after each practice 
just to play this position. Maybe I can play it with the legs in front of me. It's an adjustment for sure, but it's it's starting to grow on me. Sure. Josh, when you were saying time and time and time, I thought you were going to do uh, say that 119 for each win that he had for his career. I can't count that high, Cam. <laughs> there you go. I think uh, with Steve um, and Josh was talking about it, I too uh, had my legs out straight. And, uh, you know, the when you're at a certain side of the net and you have to be able to um, kind of sweep over to the other side of the net – uh, when your legs are out, um, it's you know uh, a lot more difficult to do than if your legs are across because you're centered to the puck and you're able to kind of cover a bit more of the net in one sense. So, um, but he played it with his legs out, and I, I, he was just sneaky good. I kind of look at it, um, you know, we were talking about Chicago Blackhawks earlier, and. I, I related to the Chicago Blackhawks when they were winning their Stanley Cups because they had a great team in front of um, their goaltender, uh, Crawford, I believe it was. And Crawford, he he just kind of had to uh, make the saves um, because he had such a great team in front of him. And when I look at the American team, uh, I wonder how much uh, the team was – really good in front of him and maybe that's why he didn't have to face as many hard shots throughout the years or maybe um the uh, amount of shots on net weren't as much because he had such a good team in front of him yeah yeah um we're gonna chat a little bit about the um the canadian team roster and maybe after this thought we'll take a break and come back and chat briefly about it but do you guys think it's it's simple enough to say that without Steve Cash in the net, that automatically means that Team Canada has a better opportunity to win gold at this upcoming <laughs> Paralympic Games, or does it go deeper than that? And Josh, you're laughing, so I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, I wish it were as simple as they've got a new goalie. They won't be as good. Uh, the goalie doesn't score points, unfortunately, un- unless he's superhuman. So the fact that you've got guys like Declan Farmer and all of these other fast, nimble, agile, whatever you want to say it, sharpshooters, means that unless Canada gets a Steve Cash-like goaltender, we are probably, unfortunately not going to see a lot of change. Now, we do have a new team that's been named for Beijing, and we'll we'll see if some of the additions to that team help. But I I hate to be the pessimist, you know, popping everybody's balloon, but I I just don't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think Team Canada, uh, they really need to be able to work on their speed and their forecheck because I think that's what's so great about the American game is that they're always in on the forecheck. Um, they've got possession of the puck, and they're able to uh, have a lot of time in the offensive zone. So I think that's kind of the, you know, Canada needs to improve on that, and it's not really going to matter who's in net for the States um, unless they have control of the puck and unless they're getting a lot more shots on net. Yeah, that's uh, fair enough to say. And uh, I think 
this this roster is built uh very differently they've got a new uh, some new goaltenders adam dixon's returning there's bit of bit of differences there but you guys are right uh the goaltending doesn't score goals and if they do especially in sledge hockey uh that would be a surprise for sure uh, i've tried once back. or twice and it's not easy no, no it's not even easy for nhl goalies so uh you know it's it's a tough challenge when you got 200 feet between you and your next net down there on the ice uh, we're going to take a break and uh, switch gears to the mainstream sports world. We'll talk a little uh, World Series. We'll, we'll talk a little NFL, maybe. Who knows what we'll get up to after the break here on the Neutral Zone. Stay with us. I totally thought I was a little early on the intro there. I was so excited to talk about mainstream sports that I was like, rolling on, oh wait, the music is not quiet yet. I should stop talking briefly. Ah, that's why we say you never know what will happen with the neutral zone folks, because sometimes I might just get a little eager. Um, let's discuss the uh, World Series. The World Series is tied 1-1 as we sit here. It's kind of been a tale of two different tapes first we've seen the um braves come out and win the game six to two and then houston said well we'll do one better in game two and we'll win seven to two now braves pitcher charlie morton in the second game fractured his tibia by a ready for this one one point two four blasted fastball into his tibia by first baseman Yuri Gurriel, who is related to the Gurriel on the Toronto Blue Jays. So thoughts from both you gentlemen on the World Series. Does it have you intrigued? Why or why not, Cameron? You take you take this one first. Yeah, I think it's uh, very uh, intriguing, especially with the first two games and kind of a, dare I say, blowout on both sides. So uh, it's anyone's series. I think with uh, the Braves, they're at home and they've got the um, 26-man uh, on their side. They're going to have the Tomahawk uh, chop going. And I think the, that's going to make a real difference for the Braves as well. Uh, with Charlie Morton out, like you had mentioned, um, you know, it was unbelievable that he threw 16 pitches on a broken leg. And then after he apologized that he wasn't able to do more. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) That's just unbelievable that he would apologize for something like that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the Braves can, um, you know, uh, 
uh, with the loss of Morton, if they're going to be able to overcome that and be able to take this series. I know game three starting uh, tonight is Anderson for uh, the Angels, and uh, he's a rookie as well as the Houston pitcher is a rookie as well. So, you know, I think that it's going to be Anderson's game tonight. Uh, if you look at the stats in the 2021 playoffs for both pitchers tonight, um, they're basically almost the same stats, except for that uh, Garcia has given up 10 runs uh, compared to Anderson's three. So I think that, uh, you know, all of those factors, as well as uh, this post-series that the Braves are 5-0 and at home so far, I think you're going to see a Braves win tonight. I like that optimism. Um, I'm a bit torn when it comes to this because on the one hand, you've got the Astros, many of whom were involved in the cheating scandal from a couple of years ago. But then on the other side, you've got the Braves and you've got that sort of questionable team name and that even more questionable chant that goes up as we alluded to. Uh, it, it just, it makes me really uncomfortable when that chant gets going. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with it personally. I think ultimately the world series is going to come down to pitching. Uh, we, we've got, uh, the the Houston pitcher Fran Valdez, I believe his name was, who has been lights out. He he pitched an eight inning gem against the Red Sox, but then had a stinker against the Astros. You've got Charlie Morton, who's now done for the year because of that broken leg. Which, I mean, that was an incredible sight to see. Um, I have to think his adrenaline must have been just just racing for him not to know that he had done something that serious to his leg because I I watched him leave that game and it didn't really look like there was anything wrong and the commentators were even surprised. They didn't seem to know why he was coming out of the game. So it, it's going to come down to pitching. It's going to come down to whose pitcher is going to be better. Anderson has had his struggles this year. So has Garcia, as Cam mentioned. I'm hoping the Braves are going to pull it out simply because I like Freddie Freeman and I like Alex Anthopoulos. I'd love to see those two guys win a World Series. But other than that, I really have no vested interest in the games personally. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that kind of uh, stands out is it it really is going to depend on which pitching staff makes the clutch pitching at the clutch time in in the game because it's open for the taking and i and i like you know Cameron i love your point about the fact that home field if if the Braves end up winning you know three games at home uh then obviously their chances become that much better and if home field is proving to be uh really good for the Atlanta Braves then this is a good thing now do remember folks it's two games in Houston three games in Atlanta and then two games back in Houston so it's not like you got to travel you are playing the next three games in Atlanta and so to me when you can get the momentum going that's going to be uh could be a good thing and could be the 
difference factor when you consider the fans uh, being on your side, especially when you can steal one in the other ballpark of Houston. So be a close one to call, but I'm probably uh, running towards um, thinking that Dusty Baker and the Astros are probably going to pull this out. I love their offensive attack. I think if their defense can be that much better over the next three games, that's probably going to prove to be good as well. Game three goes tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern in Atlanta and then follows for the next two nights following that and then travel day and game six and seven be back in Houston. I want to chat just briefly about uh, the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs are off to a underwhelming start in the NFL. Is this, are they as bad as they, as they look or are they just going through a slump, Josh? I think they're just going through a slump. Let's remember the season is an extra week long this year where we're competing in 17 regular season games. So you don't have the regular starting players doing a lot during the preseason. So I honestly believe these are just kinks that need to be worked out with the chiefs. They still have their weapons I do believe that the the issues lie with the offensive line. They have had a number of injuries this year. So I don't think the offensive line has gotten a chance to really gel. And if you have a porous offensive line, like, oh, I don't know, my Miami Dolphins, <laughs> your quarterback is going to end up with, I don't know, cracked ribs? Like, oh, my Miami Dolphins quarterback did? Yeah. So... Oh. I, I think maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think if they can get the offensive line sorted out and give uh, Patrick Mahomes more time in the pocket, more time to see the field, more time to create plays, then they will absolutely be able to turn it around and we'll laugh at the fact that, oh, remember when it was October, November, and we were worried that they weren't going to make it? <laughs> Yeah, just to kind of wrap that up, I think the Kansas City Chiefs, they've been in the Super Bowl two years in a row, and I think that um, they're just kind of having a hangover from that. Yeah, I think um, it, it goes a little deeper than that for me. It, it I think when teams start to realize how to attack a certain quarterback and when he's outside of the pocket and it's just not there for him, that can be proved to be costly, and I think that's what's happening with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I am not doubting them for a second. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Josh Watson and Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Be safe and have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.